uh, Fundamental Health series today with uh, a message entitled Values. Everybody say values. So we're going to talk about values today. Let's start off like this. Where there is no sacrifice, there is no value. I'm going to say it again. Where there is no sacrifice, there is no value. In the business world, if you have a product and nobody's willing to sacrifice any money to get it, then the product has no value. Because value is determined by sacrifice. Value is determined by the sacrifice someone will give up for the thing that is being valued. The scripture we read in 1 Peter 1.18 tells us that when God got ready to show us how much he valued us, he didn't reach into the earth and pull currency like silver and gold to pay for our lives. To redeem us, he spent his most valuable possession, which was the life of his only son, Jesus Christ. I told you before, redeem, it's not a theological word. It's not a church word. The church didn't invent the term redeem or redemption. Redeem is a financial term, meaning to buy back. Like if you go to the pawn shop and you hawk your watch because you need some money for the weekend. And then you go back. And then you go back to redeem it, to buy it back. Well, we pawned our lives to the devil. We were sold in hawk to sin and wickedness and depravity. But God came down to the pawn shop. And the price to get us back was so great, no earthly currency could satisfy the amount of redemption. So God loved you so much. Now I want you to think of your salvation this way. God spent the price of Jesus to get you. Read that on the screen. God spent Jesus. Now say, to get me. He spent Jesus to get you. Now when he did that, when God spent Jesus on the cross to get you, when he did that, it released a lot of things. It released the gospel. It released the New Testament. It released the church. It released the power of all of our theology and all of our beliefs and did a lot of wonderful things. But the first thing it did when God spent Jesus to get you is it revealed how much God values us. Because again, value is determined by sacrifice. Say it with me. Value is determined by sacrifice. Now, that's real basic Christian theology. That's just kind of the gospel in a nutshell. And all of you pretty much, if you've been here any time, you know it. So it amazes me how Christians can walk around knowing that he spent that much and still not value yourself. One of the main dysfunctions in this room, one of the most common mis dysfunctions in this room is you don't value yourself. But think about it. You're only worth what somebody's willing to pay for you. Look how much he paid. I remember telling him, you didn't get a good deal. I mean, really, you didn't get a good deal. You spent way more than I was worth. But God valued me more than I valued my own self. Isn't it heartbreaking that God would spend that much to get us out? And yet most of us still live our lives like we're still in the pawn shop. God did redeem you so you could come to church on Sunday and live in bondage Monday through Saturday. Value is determined by by sacrifice. Now, in the business world, 
there's this term called intrinsic value. And I put the definition up there for you. It's an important term. Intrinsic value is the value of a company or a product through fundamental analysis. That's a business word for a big, hefty appraisal. And they do this without reference to its market value. So they appraise a thing without considering the market value. That's what intrinsic value is. Uh, to give you an example of this, it would be impossible to evaluate or to appraise the value of the McDonald's corporation by simply adding up all of their brick and mortar stores, like all of the McDonald's in all of the world, their physical locations. You know, you, if you were just doing market value, you would add up what those stores were worth. You would add up the cash on hand and all the accounts. You would add up the pieces of real estate that the store sits on. You would add up all of their warehouses and distribution centers and all of their 18 wheelers and all of that. You would add all that up and that would be the current market value of the company. But you can't stop there because McDonald's has something called intrinsic value. All right. Uh, the way people feel when they see the golden arches. <clears throat> I see you rolling your eyes at me. I know no one eats at McDonald's. They sell 80 billion hamburgers a year, but no one eats at McDonald's. You know, McDonald's has the benefit of decades and decades and decades of people that that when they pass the golden arches, they remember being a kid in the back seat of their parents or grandparents' car and eating some, some chicken nuggets and fries. There are, there are great grandparents today, they've been in business so long, that remember being a child themselves eating McDonald's with their parents. And all of those years of branding and all of those years of just searing their brand of a Big Mac and fries into the psyche of the American people and people around the world has left them with something called intrinsic value. Now, in McDonald's case, if you added up all of their property and all of their physical buildings, all of the money they have on hand, their current stock prices, everything, all of their trucks, their warehouses, everything, if you added it all up, it still would not equal their intrinsic value. Why? Because if they lost a thousand stores tomorrow and all of the value of the stores, they could just build another one with the power of the intrinsic value of the brand. How do I know this? Better restaurants with much better food go out of business every single day. But there's always a line at McDonald's. Is it the delicious food? Intrinsic value. Another example of intrinsic value, step out of the corporate and go into the personal. My wife has a wedding ring, okay? We could take that ring today and get it appraised, and they would tell us what the market value. The market value is what everybody else, for the most part, would pay for it. What people are paying for the precious metal in it, or the diamonds in it, or whatever. Market value can go up or down. And we could take it, and we could get it appraised, and they would tell us what its market value is. But we wouldn't sell it for what its market value is, because the ring itself holds intrinsic value to us. There's a story behind that ring. It's a humdinger. One day, if you stay around here long enough, I may tell you about it. But, but the ring holds a value. Now, maybe not to you, but to us. And you don't own it. We do. So the intrinsic value is the value to the beholder. Just like McDonald's, the real value isn't in the outside stores. It's in the inside brand. It's intrinsic value. Now, understanding something about intrinsic value will help you understand why God was willing to spend so much to get you. Because let's think of it in merely financial terms for a minute. If you added up the market value of our lives, what we were worth, if you added up our character and our, 
our, our successes and our failures and you added up everything we owned and everything we lost and you just, you put it all into numbers, our lives collectively would have never been worth one drop of the precious blood of the righteous and pure Jesus Christ. If you look at what God spent versus what God received, it seems like he got the short end of the stick. Except that God held an intrinsic value for us. He looked at us and perceived us far more valuable than the market value that we currently had. He looked at you and perceived you to be far more valuable than the sum total of your life. And we know this because value is determined by sacrifice. And it shocks me when I think about what he spent versus what he got. When I think about all of my weaknesses and all of my failures and all of my difficulties, the, the things I testify about and the things I'll never testify about. You know, no one tells their whole testimony. Everybody holds a little, a little something back. But when I think about the things I'll never tell you, it just boggles my mind and amazes me that he was willing to spend that much to get me. And, and some people come in here on Sunday mornings and they decide. They're sitting in the seat and they decide whether or not they're going to give God praise that day. But, but there's a few of us that don't have that option. Some people decide if the song that are, they're singing is a song I like or, or if I'm sitting in the right spot or if I'm around the right people, then I'll give God a praise. But some of us don't have that option because we remember where we were when he found us and, and we understood the value that we had didn't match the kindness and the grace or the mercy or the plum sweetness of God to spend that much and we owe him a praise. Every morning I wake up, I realize I owe him a praise. Driving in my car, sometimes I have to flip the radio off and just start giving him the praise because I owe him. I owe him. I owe him. Praise, a very simple scripture everyone knows that says the same thing that I'm saying, that value is determined by sacrifice, that value is determined by sacrifice. Let's say that in the scripture, John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave. Now, I want you to understand this point. It's crucial for the message. It was God's own love for us that gave us intrinsic value to him. In other words, God said, I'm willing to pay a price that's never been paid for them because I have a love in my heart for them that has never been felt or experienced before. So I'm willing to pay a great price because I'm holding a great love. That's intrinsic value. Your intrinsic value to God had very little to do with you and very much to do with how much he loved you when he saw you, how much he valued you when he saw you. You know what that means? That means you don't have to love me. God loves me. You don't have to value me. God values me. You don't have to accept me. God has accepted me. You don't have to see nothing special about me. God looked and God thought there was something special about me. You may devalue me. You may insult me. You may reject me. You may throw me out. But God thought there was something so valuable he was willing to sacrifice his son. God so loved the world that he gave. God so valued that he sacrificed because value is determined by sacrifice. The whipping post was proof you were valuable. The cross was proof you were valuable. The tomb was the proof that you were valuable. And value is determined by sacrifice. 
Now let's think. Let's go back to financial terms for a minute. Let's think for a minute. Because this means a lot. Let's say, based off your skills, your talents, your experience, and your ability, that I hired you to do a job for me, a one-day job paying $200 for that day. Okay, I'm going to let you work, and you're going you're to work, and you're going to get $200 when you finish the work. When you agree to that, you have just sold me a day of your life. A day you'll never get back. You sold it to me. When you wake up that morning to work for me, it doesn't matter if you didn't have a good night's sleep. It doesn't matter if you wake up on the wrong side of the bed in a bad mood. It doesn't matter if your tummy hurts. You sold me a day. And by agreeing to accept the money, that day is now mine. And so you come and you work. At the end of the day, you get that $200. What have you done? You've traded one of the days of your life. One of the days of your life that you'll never get back. One of the days. You've traded it for $200. Then on the way home, you stop at the store and you buy a cell phone that cost $200. What you have said by paying the $200 is that you value the phone to the same level that you value the $200. Or you could say you value the phone at the same level that you value one of the days of your life. Because that's what you did. You traded the day of your life for money and you traded the money for merchandise. That's why you ought to be careful what you spend your money on. Because again, you're exchanging your life for money and you're exchanging your money for merchandise. So it could be said then that how you spend your money is how you spend your life. Because whatever you buy with your money, you sold days of your life to get it. When you think of it, it changes the way you want to spend your money. When you think of it in those terms. Now, to our text, 1 Kings chapter 3, 16 and 28. I, I'll give you a summary of it. You got two harlots, two prostitutes, working the city in the world's oldest profession. Both of them have uh, an occupational hazard happen to them in that they get pregnant. And there's not a prostitute alive that wants to go through Y'all looking at me like that. <laughs> they both get pregnant. They both get pregnant at the same time. They both have their babies three days apart. Meaning, they've both been out of work for a little while, and they're going to be out of work for a little while. Stressful times in the life of these two harlots, as the scripture calls them. To add insult to injury, one of the prostitutes is sleeping in her bed with her baby laying next to her. And in her sleep, she rolls over on the baby and does not realize it. The baby suffocates and dies in the middle of the night. So the sneaky little harlot wakes up, as the scripture calls her. The sneaky little harlot wakes up and she takes the dead baby into the other room where the other harlot is laying with her child in her bosom and she craftily and quietly sneaks the living baby out from underneath the woman and replaces her dead baby where the living baby was laying and then quietly slips back to the room believing that the other woman will wake up and think that she rolled over on her baby and killed it when the woman wakes up to feed her son she realizes oh no this baby's dead. But then, oh no, this baby ain't. Because every mama knows if the baby came out of you, it doesn't matter how much somebody else may look like that baby. You know when it's your baby. 
So she goes into her friend and she says, why are you breastfeeding my baby? This ain't your baby. This my baby. Your baby's dead. And they get into this argument and it gets so severe, they have to take the matter to King Solomon. They go before the king. The first woman says, my baby was alive and then she put a dead baby under my arm and she took my living baby and she's holding on to my baby and that's my baby. Now, now consider, see, when you lose a lot, what you do have left becomes infinitely more valuable to you. Okay? If you've always had a big job and used to making a lot of money, and then for some reason you lose that job and you don't have anything, all of a sudden, the family that never really meant as much to you before, now their value and how important they are increases dramatically. Okay. When you don't have a lot, when your options get narrowed down, what you do have left becomes so much more valuable. Can you imagine? She's been out of work now for a while. She's gone through a major change in her life. She's, she's gotten pregnant, and now she doesn't have all the clientele she used to have. Things have been slow for several months, but she does have a baby. Okay. And now somebody crooked and sneaky has come in and taken the one thing that she had left. So she goes to Solomon. She presents the case to him. The other woman says, no, you're lying. You're just mad because you rolled over on your baby and you're trying to take my baby. And they're both saying, it's her word against mine. So to root the issue out in a day where there were no paternity tests or any DNA, Solomon says, tell you what, bring me a sword. Tell you what I'll do. I'll take the living child and cut him in half and you can both have a piece. Now, listen to the real mother. She says, no, I love him. I'll do anything it takes to spare his life, even if I have to give him up. Even if I have to stand at this place in my life when I've already lost so much, and even if I have to give that sneaky harlot lying over there the right to raise all I've got left, I would rather sacrifice and be cut myself than to see you cut that baby. That's similar. That's similar to John 3.16. God said, I love them and value them so much. I would rather get cut. I would rather suffer than to see them perish. That's what the woman said. I would rather hurt. I would rather sacrifice the right to be his mama than to see the baby perish. Because real love will always sacrifice for what it really values. Now we can get somewhere. Are you with me? The other woman said, go ahead, kill him. Neither of us can have him. Because the other woman valued winning the argument. The other woman valued saving face in the fight. Don't make any mistake about it. This text is about nothing more than values. One woman is willing to sacrifice herself so the child can live. One woman is willing to sacrifice the child so she can win the argument and save face. Two women, two very different values. Now, the text hits home more than you might think. Because in order to raise children, you have to make a choice. Something is going to be sacrificed. Something is going to be cut. To raise a child, you either have to cut you or you have to cut them. You either have to sacrifice yourself to give them a good life 
or you have to sacrifice them so you can have a good life. These parents today, 2021, scare me. Talking about their happiness and their contentment and how the baby's messing everything up and how the baby messed the marriage up and the kids destroyed all the fun you used to have. Didn't you know that having children means something is going to be sacrificed? You either just make the decision that they're just going to have to sacrifice and suffer for it later in life and you're going to have a good time or that you're going to have to sacrifice, suffer now so that they can have a good life. All healthy relationships that involve love boil down to something very simple called sacrifice. Because value is determined. Just sit there. It's going to be okay. Your relationship is in trouble because both of you are too selfish to sacrifice. You value winning the argument more than you value the health of the relationship. Something's always got to get cut. It's either the baby that gets cut or the mama that gets cut. Something's always got to get cut. Okay. Either the relationship gets cut or both of the people in the relationship have to accept little cuts. But there has to be a cut. There has to be a sacrifice. And you want to win and you want to be right, but you can win the argument and lose the relationship. Depending upon what you value. And some of you value winning the fight. Some of you value having your own time. Some of you value having your own life. Some of you value having your own money. Some of you value having your own space. Some of you value having everything you want because that is your core value. Lost marriage after marriage. Growing further and further apart from your children. And you think it's the world. You say this world's gone crazy. And you think it's the people around you. You say the people around me have all gone crazy. Nobody knows how to be a wife anymore or a husband anymore. No! It's just that you don't want to get the sword out. And make a sacrifice. You come to church, those of you that still do. And you see empty spaces where all your friends used to be. Because we've entered into a season where now, finally, after years and years and years, it requires a little bit of sacrifice to come to church. It requires pushing off a little bit of fear now to come to church. It requires breaking some of the social norms now to come to church. It requires some criticism from your family when they see you, when the camera hits you. What were you doing in church? Now it costs you a little bit more than it ever did. And what you're seeing play out in the churches that are still open is the people that are willing to make the sacrifice to go to the house of God and the people that are not. And all it reveals is what everybody valued all along because value is determined by don't tell me you love anybody or anything that you're not willing to to sacrifice for because value is determined by sacrifice. Push three people, say value is determined by sacrifice. The woman says, 
The woman says, the woman says, look at a harlot teaching us how to love. The woman says, no, hurt me, not the baby. Love always says, hurt me, not the baby. Hurt me, not the marriage. Hurt me, not the family. Hurt me, not the church. Why did the church come up under such a vicious attack, even by its own? Because so few people really valued it. They attended it, didn't value it. Just like cheap lovers, some of you had in your life, people have come and they have slept with you, but not really valued you. That's what a lot of people did to church. They came and they entertained themselves with the church. They, they got in the sheets with the church, but they never really value. Why? How do you know that, preacher? Because the moment that it became a real sacrifice. Oh, you know it's true. Sit there and take this whooping. You know it is. Love can be proven by what you give or what you don't give. By what you sacrifice and what you're not willing to sacrifice. What you release and what you hold on to. And she may have been a harlot. And she may have had poor moral character, but she shows us a pure representation of what love really means. Hurt me. Not the baby. Other woman has no character values. She has pride values. Cut the thing in half. Solomon looks at their answers. Solomon looks at their values. Says, wait, I, I can tell who the mama is. Look at the values. I can tell who a Christian is. Look at your values. And your values are never able to be seen by what you say. The other woman said that was her baby too. It's not about what you. It is what you are willing to sacrifice. Because value is determined by sacrifice. Romans 12, 1, the apostle Paul writes, I beseech ye, beseech means beg. I beg you, and I hate seeing a strong man beg, and yet Paul does. The church at Rome drove him to his knees, literally. Said, I'm sick of pastoring a church of people who refuse to sacrifice. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. He's not talking to strangers. He calls them brothers. Yeah. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. In other words, considering what God gave up for you, considering what God spent to get you, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies, another way of saying your lives in this earth, as a living sacrifice. Did you know that in the Old Testament when they brought sin offerings, lambs, bulls, goats, oxen, all that, did you know that the animals were tied to the horns of the altar while they were still alive? Did you know that when Jesus was crucified on the cross while he was being nailed, he was still alive? Did you know a sacrifice, to be a sacrifice, 
has to come from you while you're still alive, while you're alive enough to bleed from the cut. <laughs> I said, while you're alive enough to bleed from the cut. It's not a sacrifice if you're not alive enough to bleed from the cut. If your marriage doesn't cut you, you don't value it. If raising your children doesn't cut you, you're not valuing them. There's nothing wrong in your house if you're miserable as a parent because your children are taking so much time. It's called sacrifice. And there you are in a quarter life crisis trying to figure out where in the world you went wrong. You didn't go wrong. You chose to sacrifice yourself now for them then. Now is. You missed it, but you're still worth it. I'll keep preaching. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present sacrifice. Number two is also something that cannot be forced on you. You have to force it on yourself for it to be That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Matthew 16, 24. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to come after me, let him. Oh, my God. How do you preach this in 2021? If anyone desires to come after me, you feel how quiet and tense and dead the church just got because this is the message that stirs our flesh to complacency. If anyone wants to be my disciple, to come after me, let him deny. If anyone wants to be a good parent, let him deny. That if anyone wants to have a good marriage, let them deny them. And take up his cross. Follow me. So you call yourself a Christian. So you call yourself a Christian. Where's your cross? He wasn't talking about wooden nails that was set aside for his sacrifice. He was talking about where's the place in your life that because of what you value, you're willing to bleed. <laughs> where's the place in your life because of what you value, you're willing to suffer. Where is the place in your life because of what you're valuing, you're willing to spend. Because value is determined by sacrifice. We're always, we're always as Christians supposed to be giving sacrificial offerings and living sacrificial lives. Sacrificial offerings, what are you talking about? Are you talking about the money that we give to the church? Well, yes, absolutely, but much more than that. The Christian wife gives sacrificial offerings to keep the relationship strong. The Christian husband gives sacrificial offerings in the marriage to keep the relationship strong. The Christian husband and wife may be standing there, and you know the one thing to say to shut the whole thing down like this argument can stop now if I say this and you chose to smile and say I'm sorry I was wrong and you hug your spouse and you walk away there was a cut there it was just a cut in you instead of taking out the knife and cutting the relationship you made a sacrificial offering and decided to cut not the baby, 
Not the baby, me, not the relationship, not the family, not the kids, not their future, not what's going to happen in 20 years from now. If I do this now, I can mess up 20 years. If I make this mistake now, if I go visit that person now, I can mess up 20 years of my child's future. Not the baby. I will take Put it, put it wherever you need it. But value is always determined by sacrifice. Christianity is a faith that is built on a foundation of sacrifice. And to be a Christian and not be willing to sacrifice means it's very possible you've been deceiving yourself for a long time about the God you really follow and the faith you're really in. And I just thought you should know. It's 2021. I mean, we got to get real. People mad anyway at church. I might as well tell you. If you value it, you'll fight for it. If you value it, you'll give to it. If you value it, you will sacrifice for it. Now, you're not on top of your chair shouting, bucking, and jumping. But make no mistake about it. You heard a word from God that will heal your life. If you will simply go home and start applying it, stand to your feet, give the language of agreement, give the language of agreement. If you feel like giving the language of victory, you can do that too. I know it was a rough sermon, but somebody has a shout because there is a solution. You can remain standing. I'm done. I got to go across town and preach again. I can remember. I can remember when people used to rejoice over correction. Because they realized that coming to church and shouting and feeling good was good for a little medicinal pick-me-up for the soul, but it didn't do much for the hell they had going on at home. And if the preacher had enough love for the people to come in and talk about something that would actually start changing stuff at home, people used to love it. Now. I don't know what stage you're at. I don't know what is going on with you this morning. And I don't know if you love what I brought you today or if you hate it. But. It's my responsibility to help you with what will heal you. I'm not doing a healing line this morning. But healing's been happening since I read my text. <laughs> Applying what I just preached is the type of healing you can't get in a prayer line with someone laying hands on you. It's the kind of deep interrelational healing that happens as a result of by faith in the word, you applying something that will cost you. So my final word to you today is give to what you value. If you value the marriage 
gift to it. If you value the kids, give to it. If you value your career and you want to be a success, you're going to have to give to it. And don't deceive yourself into believing that you value anything that you are not willing to sacrifice and to, to give to. It's like when we come to God, we bring our tithe out of obedience. You're not giving God anything, you're returning it. But when you give an offering, you're offering, that's your money. That's something that, that belongs to you that God does not expect. When you give an offering, you're revealing value. A value. I was just thinking about you, and this came to my mind. I, I value you. I value the church. I was so shocked today by the ministers. Well, not today. I was so shocked last week. I, you can keep playing, but play lightly, because you're making me want to sing. Uh, I have been flabbergasted at the attack on the church by its own. It's cannibalism. The church has been eating itself. Pastors that are having service are criticizing pastors that are not. Pastors that are not are criticizing pastors that are. And, and then church people, oh Lord, amongst ourselves, we've been going off and crazy. I, and I made, I made a scathing post because it made me so mad last week to see the NFL have 9,000 fans in Kansas City and 20,000 fans in Green Bay, or, or 20,000 in uh, Kansas City and 9,000 in Green Bay. It made me so angry. They were panning the audience. Most of them had their masks down, screaming, hollering, yelling. And for months, people have been demonizing their pastors calling them irresponsible, calling them uh, false shepherds and false teachers because they wanted to keep the church open. And I didn't hear none of those same people that were demonizing their pastors for having church. I didn't hear none of them demonizing the NFL. I didn't hear none of them demonizing the grocery stores. I didn't hear none of them demonizing the liquor stores. I didn't hear none of them demonizing the strip clubs that just opened back up. I didn't hear none of them demonizing all of these other places. But you know what it was? People in the secular world started standing up for what they the NFL and all of its owners says no it, when the pandemic was at its height in the summer uh, you know up until that point they got the worst in the summer up to that point the NFL said we're not canceling games why because the value to them was too great. They said, we'll take the PR hit if we have to. We'll get cut if we have to. We'll get sued if we have to. But I can't sacrifice the baby of football games. That's what they said, because it's what they valued. And yet we have so many people that just willingly started staying home from church. We had so many people that let me say this. Uh, there are certain statements that a pastor says to draw people to them. There are other statements a pastor says to draw people away from them. They are called piercing statements. You either pierce toward me on this or you pierce away. People, someone said to me, what if somebody got sick for coming to church? I said, what if they do? Since when did we start valuing our own wellness more than we value the things of God and the commandments of Scripture. Hate me if you want to. Hate me if you want to. But, but, when Corona passes over, and eventually it will, if you don't get sick with that, I promise you, you're going to get sick with something. And I bet some of you got just enough faith and foundation in you that when you do get sick with that, 
that you'll crawl into a church and want somebody to lay hands on you and pray the prayer of faith over you. Now, isn't that amazingly contradictory? The book of James still says, if there are any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. Put a mask on them and send them home. If there's any sick among you, quarantine them and tell them to watch online. Is that what your Bible says? If there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them take out the anointing oil and pray the prayer of faith. And God will raise them up. It's either true or it's a lie depending on your because value is determined. Lift your hands, give him praise today. Let God be truth in every man alive. his church. Get an offering in your hand. Just something to say I love you. Just something to say thank you. I'm not going to tell you what to give. I don't know to tell you what to give. I want today to be a value day. I want to be a day where God looks down at the earth in the midst of all this mess and sees a church somewhere that says we still love you. We're still willing to sacrifice. We're still willing to pour something out. We're still willing to come. We're still willing to risk something. We're still willing to 